everybody, this is the Wild Ass Podcast, and I'm your host, Wild Ass Craig. This is episode 18, and in this episode, I get to introduce all of you to Heather Wilson. Heather grew up in a world of motorcycles, with her dad not only being a racer, but also owning his own dealership. She started riding at the age of five, and hasn't quit, even teaching how to ride, as we'll hear about later in this episode. Heather has a bachelor's degree in journalism, and has worked in the motorcycle industry for over a decade. I first met her at the AIM Expo, where she was working with the AMA booth, helping them gain memberships. Let's learn more about her obsession with motorsports and about her two golden retrievers that we see so often in her social media pages. Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's pretty cool getting getting connected finally. We've tried this for a while, but you are a little more organized than most. Yeah, it seems like uh, it has been a while since I've seen you at events, too. So Yeah, they, it's, you know what, now that you say that, it's probably, it's probably been a few years, huh? It probably has, yeah. Because with the closure of all the indoor events, I think that was probably one of the last times I saw you. Yeah, probably so. We met, if, if memory serves me correctly, and I was trying to figure out if it was Las Vegas or Columbus. Do you remember? I don't know. It mainly is like... Coming up as Americade too. Like I don't know if I had seen you at the other places, and then I finally talked to you at Americade, or I don't know, or if I had seen you at Americade and talked to you at AMX though. But we obviously kind of floated around some of the same events for a number of years. Yeah, and it's funny. I always refer to us as carnies, so that's where I've <laughs> met most of my friends is at events and doing different shows and different things. Because yeah, you travel show to show, and you start looking at people, going, "Hey, didn't I see you there?" But I remember, mm-hmm. I remember the AMA booth because I was signing up Renee's kids. Oh yeah, for memberships because mine had had memberships forever, and uh, that was the deal. I was signing up them, and we just got to talking, and we just kind of hit it off, and we've stayed in touch ever since. So it's been very cool. And I'm super happy to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Have you listened to the show before? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I don't always find the time to listen to podcasts. Um, I tend to stay pretty busy with work. And then if I'm not working, I'm usually outside walking the dogs or riding motorcycles. So yeah, which tends to tie up a lot of my time. It's just fine. I know more people that don't listen to podcasts than I know people that do. But podcasts are so popular and I feel like everybody has, well, a lot of people I know have so much success with them. So clearly people are listening. I just don't always take the time. I like to work in silence, which is weird for a lot of people. But when I'm writing content, I can't have like any background noise, not a TV, not a radio, anything. <laughs> so yeah, that, that it's makes perfect sense. silence for a lot of the day. Yeah. So the premise of the show, basically everybody <laughs> like yourself, all these people that I've been fortunate enough to meet, I just want to share your stories with the rest of the world. And if nothing else, keep them in a, a vault, so to speak, where everybody can go access them at any time. So I'm super glad you came on board, and that's what we want to do is just kind of get your story as we continue our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. That being said, the bio that I read, just real brief, you grew up riding. You started riding at the age of five. Do you remember your first motorcycle, and what was it? Um, I don't know that I remember it that much, but I know that I had a PW50, which I feel like is everybody's kind of starter bike, so... Yeah, I just kind of progressed from there. And then I think it was kind of a mix of things. It was like a Kawasaki 70, I want to say. And then just kind of kept progressing up to a TTR 125, a TTR 230. Then I started um, riding KTMs 
as I got older. Um, my dad's a KTM and Husqvarna dealer, but those are kind of harder bikes to learn on when you're younger, just because they're so race prepped. So I kind of had a variety of bikes growing up. Yeah. Like you said, they're hard to learn on. And I've, I've watched so many parents ruin their children's riding by getting them <laughs> straight onto a KTM. Yeah. I think you definitely have to find the right bike to start on and then also find the right person or entity to teach people how to ride. I've seen that go wrong in a lot of scenarios. Just mm-hmm. uh, family, learning from family isn't always the best. <laughs> right. Case. And then, and, and when I say that, as I say it out loud, I'm like, wait a minute, I am in no way saying that KTM is a bad motorcycle. I actually think it's probably the best, but you don't take a beginner and put them on a race bike. It's like taking a mm-hmm. driver and putting them in a Formula One car and saying, okay, <laughs> we're going to teach you how to drive now. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. work that way. So your dad's dealership, yeah. he still owns it? I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, yeah. It's called a Wheel Sports in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So just uh, central Ohio area. But this is actually his 45th year of business. He started it after he graduated high school and has been running it ever since. It's him and my mom running the dealership day to day. So it's a pretty big accomplishment because not a lot of dealers make it that many years, especially under that sole ownership, they get sold a lot of times or, you know, it's generational. So just been him for 45 years. That's cool. Is it going to be yours one day? Is this in the you know, plan? Everybody or? always asks that. And it's definitely been a consideration in my mind over the years, especially the last few years. But I'm really enjoying what I'm doing as far as motorsports communications and marketing. And I like being able to pick up my laptop and travel and work from anywhere that I can have Wi-Fi. So not being tied to retail and, you know, it's large overhead, right? Um, he owns the building, the land and all that um, inventory, whereas I own my laptop. So it's <laughs> <laughs> right. just a, a lot of considerations that like, I, I know I would love it, but I also am enjoying the flexibility and the lifestyle that I have now. So I think I'll probably just continue on in this path. Sure. And plans may or may not change, and that's okay. I just, yeah. that question popped into my mind as we were talking about because I knew, I met your dad at bike night at the AMA offices, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and got to hang out and visit with him a little bit. That was pretty cool, but I wasn't sure if he still owned it or not, so that's why I asked the yep. question. Yep, he still does. Cool. What kind of racing did he do? So he did a lot of off-road racing. I mean, he kind of did a variety of everything when he was younger, before I was born, he did anything from motocross to dirt track to um, enduros and hair scrambles. But um, when I was growing up as a kid, mostly it was enduros. So uh, we would all load up in the box truck pretty much every weekend and go racing. My mom, my dad, my brother and I. And yeah, we were always pit crew for him, running around at the enduros to the different gas stops. Ohio is a really big motorcycle state in general, but also for off-road riding, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of private land that clubs own and host private events on. So that's how we spent a lot of our weekends growing up. And if we weren't in the box truck kind of traveling to the races, then we were in the motorhome at the motorcycle club grounds in Southern Ohio that my dad belonged to camping and and riding motorcycles as a family. So yeah, that's kind of how I grew up. Did you race as well? I did not. Um, I just rode for fun. Um, I didn't really start getting into like competition stuff until the last couple of years with riding family enduros here in Ohio, which is kind of like the the level under the big, the big enduros. So just kind of working my way up, but I just enjoy riding for fun. I don't really like the pressure of (laughs) riding with a bunch of people on the track. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, and I didn't know if you did and what you did. So not racing, then that certainly changed your the order, or not the order, but which motorcycles you had, I'm sure. Yeah. You talked about, you know, everybody started with the PW50. I think that's probably pretty accurate. Um, there's not much else out there that's as easy to learn on as the PW50, but you had the TTR 125, which is a Mm -hmm. phenomenal bike, the 230. What bikes have you had that led you up to, and what are you riding now? I think after the 230, gosh, you're testing my memory here a little bit. I think I had a 250 XCFW KTM, and then... From there, I have my most recent bike, which is a KTM 250 Freeride. And I constantly tell people I'll never get rid of that bike. I think it's like a 2016 was the last year that they imported them from Europe. They still make them, but um, not every motorcycle gets imported over here. So mine's, you know, a two-stroke gas. A lot of people think the Freerides are all electric and they do make those, but that's not the one that I have. So yeah, I'm still rocking my free ride. I absolutely love it. And I know so many other women that love it too, because it's a smaller bike. It's built on an 85 chassis and it's just got a lot of torque. It'll pull you up pretty much any hill with minimal effort. It's really, really light. So if you drop it, it's super easy to pick up. It's a little bit shorter because we all know KTMs can be really tall. So yeah, I just, I really love that bike for off-road riding. And then as far as Street bikes, I've had a couple of those as well. I had a KTM 390 Duke, then I upgraded to the KTM 690 Duke, and most recently I got the KTM 690 Enduro, so I could do a little adventure riding, and I'm loving that. Uh, my fiance and I have been doing a ton of adventure riding this year. Well, that's cool. I'm I'm just super intrigued by the 250 free ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you say I, it's a 250 it, two-stroke? Mm-hmm. On an 85 chassis. Yep. Yep. And so pretty much for for years when I've been going to events, riding national dual sports and stuff um, all over the country, it is a bike that definitely gets attention because people don't see a lot of them and people always come up and are asking me questions about it. And I always offer to let them take it for a ride. And they're like, really? You'll let me ride that? I'm like, yeah, just come back with it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) It always does get a lot of attention, though. Yeah. What what size tires does it have? What size wheels? Oh, gosh. Know? It's not 85 this wheels, is, is it? Is, is it no. probably equivalent to the big wheel? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's yep. just, that's cool. Because people can't see you, obviously, but you're not a big girl. So that seems like the perfect bike for yeah. Yeah, I like average it, to I shorter can... than average riders. Right. And... It's kind of crazy. I came across this stat a couple of years ago. Like the average height of a woman is actually 5'4", which is crazy, but I'm 5'6". So technically I'm taller than average for a woman, but I still tiptoe on a lot of these bikes, right? And so with experience, you can you can kind of do that. You don't always have to flat foot on a bike, but definitely like my recommendation for beginner riders is always better to have a bike that you can touch on until you're a lot more experienced and can handle that. So That's cool. You're not married, correct? You're engaged. Nope. Fiance, yep. Okay. Remind me of his name. Doug. Doug. Yep. And and I had it and I didn't write it down and I knew I should have. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the two of you ride together. Yeah. So kind of funny story about how we met too. And there's a little tie in with you living in Minnesota because that's where he was born and raised, Mm -hmm. was in Minnesota. I remember that. And when I um, met him, he was living in La Crosse, Wisconsin. 
Um, we've been together seven years now. And I transplanted him to Ohio, which some days he enjoys and some days he really regrets. <laughs> but uh, naturally, we met at a racetrack and kind of just dated long distance for a year. And then he moved to Ohio. But he has his own ATV suspension business. So we both kind of work in the industry and are both self-employed, which has been really nice the last couple of years because we can kind of pick up and travel more, or, you know, change our schedules on the daily when we want to. But he bought a KLR from my former coworker. And I thought he was just going to flip the bike because my former coworker couldn't get it running. And I knew Doug would be able to fix it in no time. But he ended up just taking it for a ride after he fixed it within, you know, five or 10 minutes and was like, actually, I think I'm going to keep this. This thing is so comfortable. So he's been riding the heck out of it this year with me riding the, the 690 Enduro. And uh, I'm trying to think, well, yeah, where all do you go? See. Like, yeah, you do so, some adventure riding. So you're actually off road, which yeah, that doesn't bit, surprise yeah. me with your, you know, <laughs> how you grew up. You should you'd probably be off road more than on road. Yeah, I would say there are a couple events like I love to go to every year and then I love to try some different ones out. But one that we've been going to for the past several years is Land Between the Lakes National Dual Sport down in uh, the Kentucky, Tennessee border. So we take our, our dirt bikes down there and ride our, our dual sport bikes. And then from there, I went up to New Hampshire for a motorcycle safety conference. And he came up a couple of days later with our toy hauler and our adventure bikes. And we did some riding in New Hampshire just last month. So not that long ago, but, you know, it was fall and the leaves are starting to change and stuff. And we constantly joke that we're like 100 years old because we're always like, oh, look at the foliage. But <laughs> I mean, we enjoy that. And we rode in New Hampshire and then we went to um, New York on the way home, kind of to split our drive up and rode there as well. So we do get to kind of travel quite a bit and I enjoy that. That is great. So with ATV suspension, how does he do that from the road? Or is it a slow time of year for you? Uh, it's a slow time of the year right now because the race season just ended, I guess, in August. So people are usually uh, out of money from the race season. They've spent all their money uh, <laughs> traveling everywhere and uh, are kind of taking a break from it. And just about now through March, they'll start tearing down their machines and um, pulling their suspension off to ship it in. So yeah, the fall is kind of a, a slower time for him, but it also seems to be a busier time for me the past couple of years with work. So sure. So again, it's just nice that I can take my laptop and go. Yeah. Talk about that, your work. So you have a degree in journalism. When I met yep. you, you were with the AMA. What's been your mm -hmm. work? Yeah. Your yeah. Work history and so, what's led us to where you are now. Yeah. When I was younger, I wanted to be a teacher my entire life. That was like all I wanted to be. And when I was like a junior and senior in high school, I was on yearbook and journalism club and all that stuff. And a couple of my teachers told me that I was a really good writer. And I was like, okay, so I don't know how it kind of came about. I feel like you're just kind of given some talent sometimes and you got to run with it. <laughs> but I decided to pursue journalism school at Ohio University, which is one of the top 10 journalism schools in the country. Got into that program. And then decided that I wanted to tie my love of writing with something else that I was passionate about. So that kind of naturally became motorcycles. I moved to California after I graduated college, began working for the Motorcycle Industry Council, Motorcycle Safety Foundation, the organizations under that umbrella in Orange County, California. That was kind of a giant leap of faith. And I always say that like 
you don't know what you don't know, right? So <laughs> it was a lot harder once I got out there. Um, I didn't really know what I was getting into. California turned out to not be my vibe. And I would still stand by this <laughs> to this day. But like, it was a great experience. And I'm glad I did it. But I also found out that I didn't want to live in California long term. So after a year, I moved back to Ohio, started working for the AMA, kind of grew in different roles there over the years, um, anything from writing for the magazine to uh, the director of member activity when I left, kind of overseeing recreational riding and volunteer activities. And then I decided to pursue owning my own business, doing motorsports, communications, and marketing. So I guess that was like the start of last year. It's been about a year and a half now. Has it been which is that crazy. long already? Yeah, time flies. And I've been very blessed with, you know, work just kind of finding me. So, you know, I do a little bit of marketing of myself, but just in general, referrals are huge. And I'm sure you can attest to that with your business as well. Just talking to other people. Absolutely. Um, definitely kind of fuels your business. Yeah, it seems like it's <laughs> weird that it's been a year. Just yeah, crazy it's to me. crazy. So explain what you're doing now, because... It seemed to yep. me like there was some LinkedIn stuff. There was yeah, Facebook type I, stuff. Did you do, is that what you're doing? Yeah. No, not, um, not the LinkedIn stuff anymore. That was kind of a, a business I kind of set on the shelf for a while. I was helping people kind of redo their profiles again, kind of under that writing umbrella. But now I'm just focused on motorsports, communications and marketing and not just in motorcycling, but, you know, ATV racing, snowmobile racing, you know, truck and side by side kind of have clients in various segments, um, anything from working with individual racers to help them with their racer resumes to get sponsors all the way up to, you know, manufacturer level clients and aftermarket clients, event organizers. So again, I kind of go back to the writing is kind of the core of it, but um, writing press releases. So doing a lot of race recaps after, you know, the race weekend. So kind of recapping what happened, sending it to media outlets or sponsors on behalf of the teams and the riders. So that kind of keeps me busy during the during the race season. It's getting kind of quiet now. So would that be, <clears throat> excuse me, what people would refer to as copyright, copywriting? Yeah. Um, it's kind of in that same segment. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Copywriting tends to be a little more like marketing or advertising focus, like website okay. copy, but this is more like. I guess, news or informational. Okay. Because press yeah. releases seem like you'd be an advertisement at the same time, like constructively yeah. combining news and marketing in the same piece. Yep. So you just saw a hole, saw something that people needed and went for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, having been in the industry all these years and having relationships in the industry definitely helped. But I've also had like a lot of great mentors who have helped me over the past couple of years. And, you know, I'm always still learning, like I'm always open to learning and, and getting better and perfecting my craft. So, you know, this last year, I've had a couple of people that are really like taking me under their wing and help me kind of grow and um, projects with them as well. And that's been really fun to learn. So very cool. You talked about teaching, you wanted to be a teacher, were you thinking like school teacher kind of teaching? Yeah. So that kind of comes back into play because, you know, I wanted to be a teacher for my whole life, but then kind of went this other direction with journalism. But where I've kind of been able to, once again, meld those passions together is teaching motorcycle classes. So I kind of get the, the taste of teaching workshops or, you know, teaching people how to ride. 
but it's also in the motorsports industry. So I live in Ohio and I'm a chief trainer for the more curriculum in the state of Ohio. And then I'm also an MSF certified instructor. And so I train not only teach people how to ride, but I also train the instructors in the state curriculum. So that's kind of another another part of my job. I'm a contractor with the state doing that. So you say it's funny because exactly where I'm leading you is where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) What is the more curriculum? Yeah, that's Ohio's like proprietary curriculum. So a lot of states will have, you know, MSF is kind of the nationally recognized brand that people refer to because it has been around for decades and decades. Um, But some of the states started developing their own curriculum. Um, So Ohio has like open source curriculum. So they develop their own, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of, you know, small differences just in how it's taught and how the exercises run. So I actually teach both curriculums, but I train instructors in the more curriculum. Okay. I saw something recently and I don't remember if it was Facebook or Instagram or what it was, but you were looking for people for next year. What was that for 2023? Oh yeah. I'm looking into um, opening a training site. So basically you become a grantee of the state. So to find uh, a facility where I have a large paved area that I can teach motorcycle safety classes and kind of run it as like a site Um, rather than just being an instructor you're basically coordinating the instructors and the students and it's just a different kind of role okay yeah I just I I, that popped into my head that I remembered seeing that and I Yeah, I'm just like kind of exploring that road. It's not a done deal by any means, but just kind of starting to see, you know, around here where there are, you know, parking lots available that can meet the specs and so people can have better access to training and not have to drive an hour to get to training. Speaking of that, I'm a huge advocate of continued training. I mean, I think people need to take classes. I don't care how good of a rider you are. You can always take a class and be better. Mm -hmm. How... I'm not in Ohio. I'm in Minnesota. Is there one place that anybody can go to find out where there's training near them? Because Yeah, I mean, I would recommend starting with your state's BMV or DMV, however your state calls it. I know everybody's different. Um, or Department of Public Safety. They should all have information on where you can find motorcycle training um, in your state. And when we're talking about that, I mean, that's street bike specific, right, to get your license. I mean, dirt bike training is like a whole other side of things that's, you know, not offered by the state. But as far as learning to ride a street bike and getting your endorsement, starting with your state's BMV, DMV, Department of Public Safety should all have information. And, you know, most states provide the bikes for you. Some even provide loaner helmets and they're pretty affordable classes. In Ohio, they're only, it's only 50 bucks to take a class, um, which is, you know, two days of riding and some classroom time. So it's very reasonable. That's ridiculously cheap. Can you come there from out yeah. of state and take the class? Or do you have yeah, to Yeah, I believe Ohio so. Resident? Nope. Nope. Okay. You can uh you can come here, yep. Crazy. I didn't know that. I I didn't know if it had to be in your own state. I think there might be a little more complication and, you know, getting the curriculum credit to transfer between states, but I've definitely known people, especially like bordering states that have done it. So interesting. Yeah. Let's see. So you're teaching that, you kind of have come full circle back into your high school dream that way, connecting everything yeah. with the world of motorcycles that you love so much. It yeah. looks like we blew through your all of your notes like just that fast, with <laughs> the exception of one thing. 
those golden retrievers that we see in <laughs> all the time, all the time on Facebook. Yeah. Everywhere we see you, there's golden retrievers. Tell us about those. Yeah. My, um, my dogs are kind of like my children. I don't have any human kids yet. So they are definitely my babies. They obviously work with me day in and day out, um, provide lots of laughs throughout the day. And they pretty much go everywhere with me. If I'm running an errand or I go out for lunch, they're going for a ride along in the car. And my family's a big dog family. So even like family meetups, we always have our dogs with us. So yeah, they're kind of always around and they keep me on my toes too so they are both special needs my one golden retriever is seven he has epilepsy he's had that for going on like four years so it's really nice to be able to work from home and keep an eye on him and be there when he needs me and then my other one we just joke is batshit crazy so he's just (laughs) wild but um a lot of fun as well and how old is that one He's five, but he acts like he's one. So, so I don't be, know when he's actually going to mature. Right. He should be growing <laughs> out of that soon. Yeah. He's crazy. That's awesome. Dogs are great. I think like that's, that covers just about everything. That leads me to the five questions. And if you haven't listened to the show, you don't know what these five questions are all about, do you? I don't know the five questions. I feel like back when you were doing, you were doing like your Facebook lives back when Facebook had that capability. Mm-hmm. To, like interview people I feel like you asked five questions then <laughs> I don't maybe I did I don't remember <laughs> but I'm going to now so the five questions right. are basically obviously there's no wrong answer it's I, I ask these questions they're designed to make you think some of them are totally outside the box you won't expect them and they're they're great because I love the different responses and I've also had to stop repeating the questions because some of my listeners have been having planned answers which is which is not fair. So then that we'll just go right with our five questions. Are you ready? Sure. Question number one, kind of a two part question. What is the best or most worthwhile investment you have made? uh, That could be money, time, energy, or any other resources. And how did you make that investment into motorcycling? Hmm. I think, oh gosh. I don't know if this is an investment per se, but like I try to make sure that I still have time to go riding, even owning my own business. So that was like one of the things I wasn't willing to compromise on is working so much that I didn't get to enjoy riding. So if there's an especially nice weather day, especially towards the end of the season here to go ride and I don't have anything that has to be done that day, uh, client work wise, I clear my schedule and go for a ride. So time, yeah, that's a and that's a great one, and I think that's one thing that most people in this industry lose is their actual riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you. Can I would say, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, working in the office prior, like I didn't ride as much, and I was traveling for work, and then I didn't get to ride. The pandemic actually kind of helped me get back into riding because I wasn't traveling as much. So I got to just stay closer to home and do more riding that way. And then from there, I've just kind of made it a priority to go ride when I have the time. And my grandpa is 80 and him and his best friend do a lot of street riding and even adventure riding. And so I'm on their text distribution now with the group. Whenever they go for a ride, I get the invite. And so I get to enjoy time spent with my grandpa, who blows my mind because he's 80 and you would not know it, like, at all. 
That no. Is, that is it's a awesome. lot of fun to go riding with him. Keeps them awesome. young for sure. Staying active. So cool. Question number two. What is the best advice you have gotten as a motorcyclist? As a motorcyclist? I think just to like do your own thing. Like don't worry about what other people have or, or you're lacking as far as whether it's gear or equipment for your bike or, you know, whatever it is, like do your own thing. And you don't always like people like to say, oh, well, you need to, you need to have this, this part or this accessory or whatever, like do what's best for you and don't listen to all the advice that you're given, like take it in, but then like really evaluate if that's going to be best for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Number three, what purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? Hmm. That is a really tough one. I feel like I need to open my calendar and look and see what I've done. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. $100 or less. I it's feel hard. like it's got to be like an experience or something because um, physical goods are expensive. I feel like <laughs> hardly anything I buy is under $100 these days. <laughs> um, I don't know. The, what keeps coming to mind is like, <laughs> that's silly, but like, going into a, a state park in New York and we went on this like little waterfall tour that we found on Google maps and you had to pay to get in the state park a couple bucks. So that was pretty cool. So you're, you had to buy a ticket. So that could be your purchase. Yeah. 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 Well, like, yeah, like not all state parks are free in Ohio. They are, which I was really spoiled, but you go to other states and you actually have to like pay admission into the park. Inter- I didn't know that either. I think in Minnesota, they're not free. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's a good answer. If you could have one, this is number four. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Hmm. Um, I feel like get involved. Like I'm really big on being involved in causes that I care about in, in the community. So, you know, I volunteer a lot of my time for the 4-H program. In addition to, you know, working in the motorsports industry, which I've certainly volunteered a lot of time in as well. But yeah, just encouraging people to like get involved. And, you know, I always tell people they don't really have a right to complain if they're not willing to be part of the solution. So if there's something that you want to see better, like be a part of making it better. That's, that's a good one. And get involved would speak to many things these days Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, that would be great. The last of the five questions... What is your favorite non-motorcycling hobby? Um, I feel like that one's pretty easy for me, is taking the dogs on a walk. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I would expect. And it should be easy because it's your favorite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we try to, I mean, we have our usual spots around here that we go to for a quick walk. But like I I was saying with the parks, we're blessed with a lot of different parks, whether it's county, state, national, you know, whatever, in Ohio. So I like to kind of go out to different places, especially I feel like this fall, I haven't as much, but I know when it comes springtime and I've been cooped up all winter because I'm not a cold weather walker. I hate being cold. I'm always itching to get out and I try to make time to start my day with a walk with the dogs and maybe even meet up with some people to have some conversation. I feel like when people want to meet up, they always want to go for a meal. And I've tried to kind of steer people towards like, Hey, let's go for a walk instead of meeting for lunch or something. That's a good idea. So you're not trying to talk with food in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like, it doesn't always have to be spending money too. So, I mean, going out to eat is expensive. 
and just to see each other. We don't always have to spend money. We can just hang out and go for a walk. Yeah, no, that's great. I haven't thought of that, but yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. Do you have any asks or requests of listeners of my show? Hmm. Well, I think it kind of goes back to the billboard question is, you know, my ask is just for people to get involved in things that they care about, whether it's motorcycling or charities or other causes that they care about to like, just take one step today and, and go get involved in something. And it doesn't have to be a huge time commitment either. Like you can donate as much or as little as your, your time and or money as you want, but just being involved will make a difference. For sure. Every little bit helps. And then I guess if, if they want to connect with me on social media, I love that as well. Um, they can find my business, uh, High Gear Success on Facebook as well as highgearsuccess.com and then connect with me from there. We can do that. That was my, and that was, a, I started to say, I always get these two <laughs> questions mixed up where we should put them. It's the your last parting words and where can we follow you? So let's do the where can we follow you? Because you started that, High Gear Success on Facebook. Yep. Yep. Or highgearsuccess.com will also kind of get you to all my social media channels. Okay. I feel like with a name like Heather Wilson, if you try to search that on Facebook and find my profile, it's going to be kind of difficult to find. So it might be, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably best to start with my website and then go from there. But yeah, I love meeting new people online and, and staying connected that way. Yeah. So I'll put that, I'll put a link to highgearsuccess.com in the notes of the show. Mm-hmm. That way, everybody reach out. Let her know you're coming from the Wild Ass Podcast. Uh, it's it's always cool to put people together. And I would be yeah. happy to put somebody that needs your services in touch with you and happy to make a cool introduction. So do you have any final parting words? Hmm. I don't this, know. This I is mean... always a question like I've always had I've been asked this on shows before and I never really thought of it. But it's <laughs> like, oh, I've asked a few people that do a lot of these shows and they know exactly what to say. And it's like, Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I know what that means. Words that people will remember you said to them. Hmm. You ask all these very tough philosophical questions, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I just like want people to know that I'm always happy to help. And if you see me on social media or even out in the world, like, don't be afraid to come up and say hi and introduce yourself. I see and meet a lot of different people. Um, I'm terrible with names, so I'll tell you that right now, but I do remember faces pretty well. So definitely if we've met online or, you know, we meet in person, just give me a shout. There you go. I'm guessing your picture's on your website. So folks, go to highgearsuccess.com. Make yourself an introduction. If you guys like what you're hearing on this show, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can follow the adventures on Facebook or Instagram by looking for The Real Wild Ass. Of course, I am Wild Ass Craig. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. And of course, thank you again, Heather, for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much.